Welcome to Your Cathedral Podcast, a podcast from the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information on our church, please visit yourcathedral.org. Please be seated. Well, it is indeed my great joy and honor to introduce our preacher for this morning, the Reverend Dr. Sandy Kerner, who is uh, the director of the prayer center at the St. Christopher Camp and Conference Center and has a uh, great deal of experience in the healing prayer ministry. She has worked with Christian Healing Ministries in Jacksonville, Florida. She has served uh, many churches, uh, all of which are called St. Luke's, interestingly. Uh, proper for a healing minister to be at a St. Luke's, and now she's back at one uh, today. She comes to us. Uh, she was last serving as the rector of St. Luke's in Powhatan, Virginia. Um, we are honored that you are here. Welcome, and we look forward to hearing you open God's word for us. Don't forget to turn your mic. Good morning. On? On. Look at that. Can you hear me now? Are you awake? It was, a lo- it was a short night, wasn't it? I'm honored to be here today. It's a joy and privilege to speak, and I'm humbled by your asking, Pete, so this is, this is a great day for me, personally. Um, and thank you to this cathedral parish. You all did yourselves proud yesterday. The consecration of our new bishop, Bishop Chip Edgar, was gorgeous. From all of the volunteers to people who served in the service to musicians to everybody who had something to do with that, it was glorious. And if you didn't get to come yesterday, please go online and watch it on YouTube. It is stunning. And the Holy Spirit sure showed up here yesterday. The wind (laughs) blew around this cathedral And especially as the bishop's wives gathered together right here in the center and they laid hands on Beth Edgar, Bishop Chip's wife, it was still and quiet in this place. And you could hear the wind moving, the wind of the spirit, I think, too. It was a powerful, powerful time of prayer. So it's my joy to be here. Let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So a little bit about me. My favorite musical and movie of all time is The Sound of Music. Anybody else there? Thank you. Thank you. It was my favorite because I first saw it when I was in high school, and after high school, I considered a calling to be a nun, much like Maria in the movie. I wasn't as much trouble as Maria, though, I have to tell you. I was pretty goody two-shoes, but but I felt called to ministry by God, and as a Roman Catholic laywoman, what else could I do but become a nun? So I did explore that. And the one line in the movie that really resonated with me was when Maria says, the Reverend Mother always says, when the Lord closes a door, somewhere he opens a window. Love that line. I cry every time I hear it. I see it. But how many of us have ever waited 
for a door to open, for that job you wanted to come through, for that invitation to work or to play or to to a party, for a proposal perhaps in marriage, for news, you're having a baby. (laughs) That could be scary too, but it's usually great news. Or even better, come to wherever, to China, to Russia, to the Ukraine, somewhere, Nigeria, we have a baby for you. We have a child for you who needs a home of love. Come. I know some of you have had that experience. Or you're accepted in the school of your first choice. Or you made the team. Or you have a donor match in that liver, that heart, or that kidney that you're waiting for to live is there for you. Come and get it. And the door just swings wide open and you cross over the threshold to whatever that is that you longed for and hoped for. Something promised, maybe even promised by God to you. And there it is. You step into it. It's so exciting. Your heart just wants to burst. It felt a little that way yesterday when we were here for the consecration. Just some promises of God being fulfilled right here in our midst. It was so exciting. But how many of us have ever waited for a door to open and nothing happened? There's no open door. There's no open window like the Reverend Mother says. There's not a crack of light anywhere. Or the door just closes in your face or many doors close in your face and after waiting and hoping and believing for so long it never opens up I can tell you personally month after month year after year my husband Bob and I waited we longed for we hoped for and prayed for a child that we could conceive a child And it never came. A grief I still bear. But it's much like the story of Abraham and Sarah in our first reading today. We also waited and prayed for a liver transplant that could give my husband of 32 years a few more precious years that we could be together. And his kidneys failed and he was no longer on the transplant list. And he died a short time later. And you know, after he died, it took about two years and I realized how angry with God I was about that. Why? Here we are, we're so active in healing prayer ministry. Didn't happen. Wasn't healed, didn't get the liver. Nothing worked out the way I thought it would. Why was he not healed? But it's in those times, brothers and sisters, of closed doors, of disappointments, of darkness. We end up questioning ourselves. Did I not have enough faith? What's wrong with me? Or we question God. Are you really good, God? Are you trustworthy? Do you deliver or do you just disappoint? And with Jeremiah the prophet, perhaps we lament, you have duped me, O God, and I have been duped. It's a hard place to be, but I can't imagine that we all haven't walked there at some point. It seems to me 
like having faith or trust in God while waiting for something that we desire, something we've been promised and we're longing for, is like riding on a roller coaster. It goes uphill, but then it goes down, and then up and down, and our faith goes up and down, and our trust goes up and down. It's not like one long, steady climb up the hill to get to the top where there is bliss and fulfillment and peace and joy. It's a, it's a wild ride sometimes, this ride, this journey of faith. We try to get to the high places, and we end up going into the valley instead. The good news I hear in today's reading from Genesis is God is greater than our doubts. God is a promise-keeping God. And God goes with us on every step of the journey, reassuring, consoling, inviting us to grow deeper in our trust. There is no shame in honest doubt. It's a journey. It's a long journey. And you can ask Abraham or Sarah in our readings today about this journey of faith in God. The reading for appointed this morning actually comes before God changed their names. God changes their names in a couple chapters from now, in 17, where he calls Abram, Abraham, changes his name from father to father of a multitude, changes Sarai's name from Sarai, my princess, to princess of many, Sarah. Their long journey of faith and obedience in the same direction, yes, with three steps forward and two steps back, without any sign of fulfillment, their story has good news for us today. Those of us who wait and watch and wonder, what in the world is God doing in my life? So I invite you to pick up your pew Bible or pull out your phone and look up on your Bible app to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to go back just a couple chapters before our chapter this morning. It's page 8 in your pew Bible. And this story of Abram and Sarai begins with a call, an adventurous call, a calling to to go a long way from where they're living to a new place. Listen to this call as if you were receiving it, because it's not an easy call to answer. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who honors you I will curse. And in, in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. So God's promises are a great nation, which means numerous descendants, a land to possess, and that they are blessed to be a blessing to all the nations. And you know, Abram just took that on faith. He went. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. And notice this, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. How many of you would like to start out on this journey not knowing where you're going at age 75? I would not. 
And Abram took his Sarai as his wife and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and the people they had acquired, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. 500 plus miles at least. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the land at Shechem, to the Oak of Moreh. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And they owned it, and Abram didn't. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abram, it's this land I'm giving you. And I'm giving it to your offspring, and they will inherit it. But he doesn't stop there. Abram keeps journeying because there's a famine. They go down into Egypt. They come back from Egypt. You can read the chapters in between if you want to. But by the time they come back from Egypt, they have many riches, much livestock, all kinds of people with them, lots of possessions. And God reinforces the promise in chapter 13, verse 14. God says to him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. All this land I will give you and your offspring. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust, your offspring can be counted. God is insistent about these promises. Your own offspring. So many you can't count in this land. That brings us up to chapter 15 that we heard this morning. And that's on page 10 in your pew Bible. But Abram and Sarai are not getting any younger. And a few more years have passed since the first promise. There's no pitter-patter of little feet. There's no reveal parties going on. There's no real land to speak of either. And Abram has a vision. God says to him, fear not. I am your shield and your very great reward. And I can hear Abram in my head, I guess because this is what I would say. That's wonderful, God. Truly, thank you. But these promises were made to us a while ago. Are they still good? Are you still good for them? Have you noticed? We don't have any kids. So I guess my servant, Eliezer, he will inherit everything, right? Notice Abram is taking the matters into his own hands. You're not going to give me children? I'll pass it on to my servant, Eliezer. And God says, no. This is where God gets very specific about the promises of land and children and even stretches Abram's faith even more. This man, Eliezer, will not be your heir, your own seed, your own child, the child from your loins will be your heir. And so it's staggering then that God takes him outside, points and says, look up at the heavens. Can you count those stars? That's how many your descendants will be if you can count them. And we know in hindsight that one of those offspring that he was counting up there possible is the Son of God, is the seed of Mary and the Holy Spirit who overshadowed her. That's the line that will come eventually from Abram, from Abraham and Sarah. It's staggering to think about that. He didn't know that, but we see it in our day. 
And neither has God forgotten about the land. So God stretches Abram's and Sarai's faith with the promise of being their shield and their reward, but also offspring and land when there's nothing on the horizon to see. And even though they doubt, God keeps faith with them. And so God opens the door wide to them, invites them, calls them, even in the midst of nothing that they can see, into deeper trust. Do you trust me? Do you trust my timing, my way, my words to you, my promise, my plan? And verse 6 tells us the story. And Abram believed. That word believed means trusted, put his whole weight on. It's the first time it's used in the scripture. And Abram believed. And the Lord credited to him, credited that to him as righteousness. And about the land, God says, I brought you out of Ur, and I give you this land to possess. And Abram says, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He sounds like the man in Mark's gospel to me who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm not quite sure. And the Lord has compassion on Abram, meets him right where he is. And he's not left with just a bare word. God initiates a covenant requiring Abram to gather certain animals. And as the custom was in that day, to split them in two, to lay them alongside each other. And what would happen when a covenant was made in that time is the two parties making the covenant would walk between those carcasses. Walking between them meant that they would say, in essence, if I do not keep my side of the covenant, this is what will happen to me. And what happens, though, is not what you think. Abram is cast into a deep sleep. <laughs> and God is the one, the divine presence through the fire and the smoke, walks between the carcasses, makes the covenant, takes the whole covenant upon himself. That is stunning for this story. We don't recognize it, but it is. It's amazing. God says, I will fulfill this promise. And if I fail, may this happen to me. But Abram, I'm doing this all for you. And here's the gospel right here in the book of Genesis, already forecast. God is showing that he would bear the penalties for both sides of the covenant. So if Abram, if Abram and his descendants broke their side of the covenant, God would bear the penalties. And there was no if about it, because he would. He would certainly break the covenant in so many ways with his unfaithfulness. And brothers and sisters, so do we. <laughs> We're like that to also. Consider this. God will pay the ultimate price for covenant failure. The Son of God was willing to die on behalf of Abram and all his descendants, literal and spiritual, that includes us. And when they fall short, and when we fall short of the covenant's terms, he will take the curse for the failure upon himself. That's why God credits Abram with righteousness. The moment he says yes to the covenant, 
This foreshadows the cross of Jesus Christ. His flesh was torn in sacrifice so that God's word to Abram would be fulfilled. Not just for land or children, not just for a tiny nation, but for forgiveness and eternal life for all who put their trust in Jesus, Jew and Gentile alike. My friends, the Lord has compassion on us too. Week by week, we are reminded of the covenant cut once for all by Jesus on the cross. When we hear proclaimed from the altar, this is my body broken for you. This is the cup of my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. When the priest raises the consecrated bread and breaks it, that's the cutting in a sense of the covenant. Jesus' body is broken for us. And that's the window, that's the open window, the open door where God's love and mercy pour out to us. Giving us strength, giving us hope, giving us grace, giving us forgiveness, giving us freedom. That's God at work in us and coming to us. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all on the cross. And now forgiveness is possible and restoration is possible. Reconciliation is possible. As our prayer book says, by the merits and death of your son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and all thy whole church may obtain remission of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. So today, God's mercies are new for you and me. Wherever you are in this roller coaster ride of faith, if you're trusting today or not so much, with this insistent invitation and call from God to deepen your trust, whether you can see or not, he says, come as you are. Speak your faith and confess your doubts. Pour out your disappointments and broken dreams. Lament, weep, be honest with God. And yes, also celebrate the promises that are fulfilled. After you partake of his body and blood today in this new covenant meal, come to one of the prayer teams for confession, for healing, for grace, for strength. Come and ask for what you need today to trust and believe. Put your whole weight on Jesus. God's mercy in Jesus is greater than any doubt. God is opening a window for you into his heart. Our God is a promise-keeping God. Amen? And God remains faithful. And he's always with us. He's always for us on our journey. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are so faithful to us. And our track record is not as good as yours. So, Lord, help us where we need help. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Come and speak a word to us. Give us a vision. Give us a sense of your presence with us. And open the doors that you would open for us and close the ones that are not for us. 
But Lord, we give you all of our hopes and dreams, our disappointments, our failures. Open your heart to us today in the Eucharist that we might know you in the breaking of bread and know your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.